we ready, Spaghetti? Oh, we're ready, Spaghetti. Uh, welcome to I'd Kill a Spider for You. My name is Catherine. And I'm Carmen. And this is our bi-weekly podcast where we talk about whatever we want. And, you know, most of the time we're talking about pop culture. Most of the time we're talking about... Um, I don't know, anything, something political going on or something historical, but occasionally, you know, we like to talk directly about ourselves. And so this week we are going to be talking about some very personal things related to chronic pain and dealing with chronic pain in your life because your co-hosts are riddled with pain (laughs) all the time and have been for years. And we have decided also to bring on a lovely guest, Carmen, if you want to introduce Yes. Uh, Robin is here with us. Uh, Robin and I met doing our Masters of Social Work program, um, wherever that may be. And (laughs) um, we became friends. And when I uh, met Robin at our orientation, I said, I want to be friends with this person. They seem too cool for me. And then, then we became friends. And we have talked a lot about chronic pain and our bodies being busted many times over and uh it's been nice so robin (laughs) hey um so uh yeah i mean carmen i i i love and appreciate the fact that that you felt like i was too cool for you at our meeting but um the reverse was totally true (laughs) um i was this like little teeny nervous nerd and you were this amazing person talking about white supremacy in healthcare and um, psychiatry and it was so rad and I immediately was like whoa <laughs> this is someone I want to be friends with and then um, every t- every time I see see you Catherine and hear you talking gloriously about anything including gay vampires oh. I always think OMG this this human is just lovely and rad <laughs> and so so brilliant Thank you so yeah. much. I remember when I met you, I met I met you and a bunch of other uh, Carmen's social work friends at her graduation. And it was like, because here's the thing. I talk about Carmen pretty regularly, but Carmen talks about me like just as much, if not more, I would bet. <laughs> Anyone who I meet through Carmen is like, Catherine, like as if they are my best friends. And it was like being like assaulted by a group of people who like were my fan club. It was It was nice on one level, but it was also like... Okay. <laughs> but you were very lovely. And yes, I've also always enjoyed uh, seeing you and hanging out with you. So lovely. Wow. That is nice. Thank you for inviting me. I am very excited to talk about pain. I care about it a lot. And also, as you can imagine, have a wealth of feelings about it. Yeah, for so, sure. so many feelings. To begin, do we want to like list our pain credentials? Like what, what, what pains you? What are, what are your, what are your specifics? I don't know if you wanted to go first, Carmen. Yeah. Um, so I think my condition is called hypertonic pelvic syndrome, which means that uh, my pelvic muscles are just constantly tense and it makes me feel like I need to pee all the time and or it makes me feel like I'm ex- in excruciating pain anywhere uh, from like my belly button down. So hmm. it's a fun time. Um, it's a fun time. Catherine? Oh, so when I was 16, I got um, an abscess in my face and then I had a root canal and it totally messed up my like nerves, I think, in my face. So I have a probably, the doctors are like, 
They're like, you have like a form of like trigeminal neuralgia, which is a nerve pain in your face. Now there are different versions of it. There's one that for some people feels like electric shock, which, you know, like, thank God I do not have, but I have the one that feels like, depending on when it, when it's here or not, like uh, someone like hit me in the face with an anvil and like put a stone on me afterwards. Um... And so I have nerve pain in my face that sometimes translates um, down on my jaw and in my uh, neck and shoulders. Uh, it comes and goes, but when it's here, it's bad. And at the moment, I have put in an IUD that is currently kicking my ass. So I have just been in constant pain for the last for like four weeks for a different reason, <laughs> which is always fun. Still? Anyway. Yes. Fine. We'll get Robin? into it. <laughs> that sounds... Those both sound... Um really intense to, to live and navigate, um, on a daily basis. So I did receive a diagnosis, um, through like you folks understand Mm -hmm. the complications of like trying to navigate self-diagnosis, diagnosis, um, navigating like the healthcare system, navigating doctors. Um, and so I did end up receiving a diagnosis of something called central sensitivity syndrome, which is, um, I'm trying, I'm trying not to get too deep into like all of these things discourse that I am like, all of these things are a problem. And the biomedical model is something we need to talk about. Um, but it's, it's basically like my nervous system is, um, on hyper alert. And so I perceive things as painful that, um, it is assumed that other people would not perceive as painful. Hmm. Interesting. So it's a, it's a full body roving. Oh experience. no. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. And it has in past like been accompanied by, um, like Carmen can attest some pretty, um, mm-hmm. intense, like lack of mobility and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's been, it's been, I don't, I don't think this is new. Um, but it's, it's just, I've managed to, to find a diagnosis of it, yeah. perhaps more recently. Yeah, maybe I should have mentioned that I didn't have an official diagnosis. My uh, urogynecologist did an exam and said, it's really tight down there. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make a joke. I, I replied. <laughs> and, uh, and then said, you need physio. <laughs> I was like, that's your, uh, so you're really tight down there is your official diagnosis? Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you could have said worse things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, actually, I did ask my <laughs> physiotherapist. I was like, is this normal? Because this guy is supposed to be, like, top of the line, like, best reviews. Um, and he is. He's supposed to be, like, amazing. Like, he's the best in Toronto. Not just, like, like even his patients say that he's really great, which is, like, what I look for. Um, and uh, she's like, I don't know. I've never heard that one before. And then the next <laughs> week, she's like, actually, yeah, I did have somebody who told me that they're um, – who had the same issue as you and their urogynecologist said it's in your head. So, Oh, okay. Again, well, at the very the least <laughs> he didn't like rub his hands together and go like, ha ha when he said it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's really tight down. There is a, there's a wild medical diagnosis. Whew. Anyway, anywho, it's, it's truly wild. Like, you know, over the course of, I don't know, the last few years, I feel like I've been really lucky to be sort of like in conversation with folks who are open about the the pain they experience um, and listening to folks talk about just even the most like the cat, sorry, the casualness of the, I don't know, the gaslighting from, from the medical system is um, 
it's, it's really hard to hear because, you know, especially if you've been in that place where you've had somebody sort of, uh, sort of put you in that place, it, like it, 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 it just breaks, it breaks my heart, um, that, that, that folks are so, um, so focused on a particular understanding or narrative of pain, um, despite the fact that like, you know, the way that pain science, as far as I've understood works, is that um, pain that has a cause, quote unquote, that is organic versus like, like that's pain, the same as pain that they can't identify an organic cause. So, um, you know, folks are experiencing pain and that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in doubt, but um, there's so many complicated yeah. pieces that swirl in, in in like in the language and training and brains of folks who are you know given the the power to like diagnose us so um i am so sorry that happened to you carmen that is <laughs> i mean now i laugh truly terrible <laughs> now i laugh because i'm like this is a level of ridiculousness i've never <laughs> i never thought um but at the time i was so grateful somebody listened to me at that point because i had gone like two years or like a year and a half with people telling me like uh oh, there's nothing um, that I was just like anything. I'm open to anything. So thank you. Um, which is probably uh, maybe what we can get into is maybe just like our pain journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine, I don't know if you want to go. Oh, sure. Um, mine is like, so when I first got that abscess in my face, I remember it felt so incredibly painful. It was like someone like chopped my face in half with like an ax. That's what the feeling was. And it's located basically, so the tooth that had to have the root canal is like the, my left front tooth. Um, and so they told me that like, there will be so after I did the, um, the root canal, which by the way, because my tooth was dead, they were like, oh, we won't even give you any pain medication just because the tooth's already dead. So you won't feel anything. But like once they get up into your head and start scraping, you do feel them in your, in your cranium scraping crap out. <laughs> it was very strange experience. Um, and they were like, okay, so it might, um, you might have some like some pain, like for like up to a year afterwards. And so I was like, okay, so I would have pain and it kind of like was in different levels, but I knew that I was supposed to have pain. So I was like, okay, whatever. And I have a very high pain tolerance and a very high tolerance mm-hmm. for just like letting, I'm like, if this is like the way my, it is, I'm like, eh, I guess that's the thing. So I just like sort of like let the pain exist for a long time. And then when it started to get, um, it would, it would have waves of like, now it's really painful. Oh, now it's pretty mild. Um, and honestly, I don't think there's been a day since I was 16 that I haven't been aware of my tooth because the pain also Mm. sort of localizes and sort of feels like, um, I'm having some sort of toothache sometimes. Mm. Um, and so I remember like, maybe like several years later, I went to the dentist and they checked, um, and they were like, oh, everything's fine in there. There's no abscess. Everything looks perfect. Um, but I was still in pain. So they were like, eh, pop your nerves and then several years after that i went to my doctor again because it had flared up and was really hurting like because when it hurts it doesn't just hurt my tooth it hurts sort of all alongside the um the right side of my face and then down my neck so i went and i was trying to investigate again did more dental investigations and actually it was one of the dentists who said like oh you know sometimes what it is is that people come 
over and over being like, I have a toothache, I have a toothache, but it's not toothaches. It's not anything to do with your teeth, even though it feels like it is. It's to do with your nerves. And when I went to my doctor doctor, he was like, yeah. And he's like, how long have you been dealing with this again? And I was like, uh, nine years on and off with pain. And he was like, well, if it was nine years and you're probably fine if you've been in pain this long. So it, blah, blah, blah. And he was, and basically he was like, eh, what are we going to do? And it also is one of those things where with nerve pain, Unfortunately, the answer really is, eh, what are we going to do anyway? Because there's nothing you can do. Um, And so he didn't really give me any pain managing techniques. So what I have been doing, because my mother also has lots of pain issues, is she uses CBD oils um, to manage that. And I use those as well. So if my face really hurts, I basically just like have a bunch of CBD oil. I massage my teeth and my face. Um, and I usually get my, my mom or my sister to help massage my neck with the oil. Um, and that's usually how I manage my pain. Because when it's nerves, they're like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I guess for myself, it was, um, well, now that I'm looking back at it, um, like years later, um, because my physiotherapist, I mean, if I don't, sometimes I'm like, well, my physiotherapist told me more about what was going on than my actual doctors. But essentially, um, I had a year in my life where they, I kept getting UTIs and they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And it happened for like a year and a half where I would like have one and then two weeks later I'd have another one. And then it just was like a year and a half of just constantly getting them. Um, until they put me on these like really low dose antibiotics for like a full year straight. Um, and then I was fine. And so then it was fine. Um, but then I realized that, um, at the time, like I would randomly feel like I had a UTI. So I would go to the doctors and they would give me medication, even though it would always come out negative. And so they were like, just in case, cause sometimes if it doesn't screen, you know, we want to make sure that you, you know, take something. And then, um, uh, maybe like three years ago or more, it got to the point where it was just happening all the time where I just constantly felt like I was going to pee myself. And then I just like, it hurt to walk. Like it it was really weird. It was like, it was like an ache in my muscles and it was really strange and I didn't know what was going on. And I just felt really like stretched. It just felt like really tight to like walk, like even my thighs and everything. And so I went to the doctor um, and the doctor I was seeing at the time was like, oh yeah, that sounds like you have overactive bladder. Here's some medication. And the medication for folks who don't know for overactive bladder, uh, makes you super constipated because it basically slows everything down in your body, everything. And like it, like the liquid in your body, it's just like so weird. It makes it blurry, basically. <laughs> like I had blurry vision because <clears throat> I was on the meds for like a year and I had blurry vision in my eyes because they weren't as moisturized. Mm. And so I had like, and then after that, I went off of them for like, and then even three or four months later, people would show me pictures and I'd be like, who? I can't see properly. <laughs> like I just, I couldn't see even with my glasses on because <clears throat> it like made it blurry. And I, I had, um, <clears throat> what do you call those things? The like little worm, the like, it looks like you have like little filaments oh, yeah. in your eyeballs. Eye crap. And yeah. I literally had to, yeah, I had to, <laughs> the, the eye crap. I had to go to the specialist because <laughs> I was like, is something wrong? And they were like, oh, no, you're you're just like, it's just like your eyes are really dry. So you need to, you know, whatever. It was awful. Um, but anywho. Um, <clears throat> and then I went through, I think, four doctors in about two years or in about like a year and a half. 
because it's like none of them were really doing anything that I wanted. And when I'd be like, don't you think I should like maybe see a urologist? They would be like, no, they're not going to see you unless you try medication first. And so they tried me on like every single medication. And then finally my friend Zane, who I love, um, and owe a lot to, um, his doctor, he was like, my doctor's fabulous. Let me ask him. I know he's not taking anyone, but let me ask him if he'll take you. Like, I'll tell him what's going on with you. And then, so he asked him and the doctor said yes. Um, and then I, I found out this year from someone that works with the doctor that he won't see anyone. Uh, like, if you didn't have him from when you were born as a doctor, mm. you're not getting in. Um, and so, and they were like, you probably caught him in a really good mood and like, or your friend was just extremely convincing, which like anyone who's met, met Zane knows that he is an extremely charismatic human being. Um, so I'm not surprised. Um, and so I saw him and the first thing I told him like my story and he was like, yeah, so I think, uh, we need to get you not to a urologist, but to a urogynecologist because it's a lot, whatever is going on is a lot. Um, then the pandemic happened. So my appointment got canceled for about a year. Mm, so fun. And yeah, that was fun. And then uh, I finally went and I got that beautiful diagnosis from uh, <laughs> the doctor who was really lovely. He's like, look, I need you to get off the medication because it's not doing you any good. It's probably making things worse. Um, and he's like, and physio will fix this. Like physio will at least like make you feel better. And he's like, the thing is, you're always going to hold tension in that part of your body. So it will come back. Um, but you just need to keep doing physio. So I've been doing physio and it does come and go. I started uh, trying to take different medication for my anxiety. Um, and one medication that I took for my anxiety um, made it so that I flared up worse than I ever had. So I had been doing really well for a few months and then I flared up um, and then it took like four months to like settle. And then, uh, now it's like semi settled here and there, but obviously I have flare ups. If ever I'm stressed, I'm like, oh, I need to pee all day every day yeah um, yeah or I like can't walk like I literally can't walk or or like it hurts to even just like sit down because there's so much tension even in, like my lower back that it hurts so I'm like, literally standing at my standing desk mm -hmm. all day because I'm like yeah I'm not I'm not gonna be sitting um, so yeah that's my story but uh, according to my uh, physiotherapist uh, you can get this condition from even just one UTI so my friends if you start noticing any sort of pain after one UTI, even after you take the meds, eh, maybe go see a physiotherapist or your doctor and just be like, hey, <laughs> something's wrong. Don't wait as long as I did because I just thought I kept getting UTIs after. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the medicate, by the way, <laughs> you're talk talking about these medications you've been on. The side effects that I hear about with Carmen's medications are ridiculous and frightening she told me she's like yeah i'm on this medication um it makes my pee neon orange and i was like what are you, what are you, ta what are you telling me yeah, right now? yeah 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 what are you That's saying one of the medications to me that one is the one the only one that works that i take when my flare-up is so bad that i can't sleep um i only found out about it because the doctor who saw me at the walk-in clinic when i had my really bad flare-up recently um <laughs> And I, I'm assuming that this is why, um, is actually, so he's African and he was like, yeah, back home, like we give it blah, blah, blah. So it took me, I had to go to, I don't know how many pharmacies before I found the medication. 
because they discontinued not they didn't discontinue it in Canada it's out of stock Mm -hmm. because and and then when I talked to my doctor about it he was like no it's so cheap to make that pharmaceutical companies don't make enough money off of it so then they just don't like send it to a lot of countries like he's like certain he's like the U.S. has it you can get it for two dollars for like 20 pills really that sounds yeah and it's like a weird not good I mean, side effect. But they, you're not supposed to take it too much because it can like mess up your bladder if you take it too often. But for me, I'm like, I'm literally taking it every few months if like so that I can sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does uh, make every, every, every liquid in your body neon orange. What? Do with that no information thanks. as you will. I can't even wear contacts when I take that medication because it will stain my contacts orange. So. Gross. Anyway. <laughs> That one would you like? <laughs> On that beautiful, <laughs> delicate note. Very descriptive note. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm just, I'm initially struck by so many similarities between, like, processes of navigating, um, uh, navigating the process of getting a diagnosis or, or entertaining the idea of wanting a diagnosis between all three of us. Um, uh again, like always find myself floored in conversations like this about the extent to which folks like ourselves, um, like have to do so much work. Um, it's just an unbelievable amount of labor to try to move a conversation forward about your bodies, um, about your body, about your health. It's, um, so striking. So my, my, I, I feel like as I was preparing for this, um, I felt I felt a bit funny because I was like sort of in this process of reflection, and um, it's kind of helped me to to sort of condense a few things. But I, I I feel like you know since I was like a pretty small kid, I've had these like roving pains, um, so you know I've had a lot of sort of ongoing pain in my head, neck, gut, legs, arms, um, and. The thing that I think is interesting is that, like, throughout the course of my life, it's just shown up in different ways or in different parts of my body. Um, And, uh, you know, I think as a kid, I was, there's, like, this narrative in my family that I'm, like, an anxious, afraid little kiddo, which I think is, by and large, uh, true. Um, And so I was, like, you know, pretty (laughs) sensitive, like, and so, you know, oftentimes I would complain, like, oh, I I can't do that. Like, my my hips are really hurting. And... um, yeah, that narrative of just being like a sensitive person, I think, um, is complicated. But basically, you know, what sort of brought a lot of this to the fore was that over time, I, I, I managed to to collect, for lack of a better word, um, a few diagnoses uh, that were more functional in nature. So like um, irritable bowel syndrome, got that one. Um, but all of them were sort of, um, there was a pain that was about the function. So about the way that like a system or organ organ functioned. And, um, because that's, that's different then you know, we can identify that there's a cell here or an infection here. Um, I think people were always like really skeptical of whether or not this was real. Um, and lots of questions around like, um, like my mental health and and experiences related to that. Um, But this sort of all crystallized, I think about four years ago when I started to have like really, really intense uh, 
chronic pains, um, very similar to some of what you had talked about, Catherine, with, with this, this nerve mm-hmm. pain, um, that like kind of is all, it's like ever present. Um, and I ended up going to sort of like multiple doctors, um, had a lot of interactions with healthcare professionals who, you know, were like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say mean, but I would say really dismissive, yep. um, mm-hmm. definitely not validating. Um, and, you know, my experience was was that they didn't really do a lot of tests to rule out things, um, but were very quick to assume uh, that it was like sort of somatic in nature. So throughout that process, I became um, perhaps more of the like petulant Sagittarius <laughs> little jerk that that I think I, I became and just like refused to talk about my mental health Um because I think they were like so oversimplifying this like mind body mm-hmm. connection. So um, I had a um, like MS runs in my family, and so you know I I had to be screened for that and had an MRI, and um, you know I went in to see the neurologist who um, you know was kind of like a you know a self possessed <laughs> sort of confident dude um and he was sitting on on his chair and he sort of just like he put his he put his like little pad of paper down and he like kind of relaxed his arms and he let he leaned back in the chair onto the back two legs and said you know like it's not a mess there's no lesions um and he just sort of leaned back and was like and like like (laughs) like kind of opened his arms and was like, you just got to live your life. Fuck off. And I remember being like, suck my nuts. Uh, I mean, I won't tell you that like, I did not in that moment go to like every single curse word that I've ever been taught. <laughs> but like, it was, it was a wild experience. So after that, I think I was like, that is it. I'm not letting any of these like ding dongs have any decision over what I'm doing with my body. So it was a while before I ended up going to, um, I got a referral to a pain clinic because very similar to you, Carmen, I had my best friend's mom who is uh, like, like the loveliest human being in the entire world. Big shout outs to, to Sally. Love her. (laughs) She managed to get me into this clinic. Um, and I got a nurse practitioner who had like a completely different perspective on this. She referred me, she did the tests, she listened. Um, and that was sort of where I ended up getting the diagnosis. Um, but a lot of that, I think, was happening at the sort of the same time that um, like I wasn't pretty much walking very well, using a cane, sometimes using like other mobility aids. Um, and it, it was a it was a complicated period of life. Because I think, as you folks talked about, um, when you're in pain all the time, um, I don't know. I think your perception of, of things changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and your perception of, like, interactions changes. And it just, um, it's just sort of like a gnawing constant presence. Um, and I think when I was also navigating, like, uh, disability in a different way. It, it became a, a very different experience that it ha- than it has been in 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 the past. So that's kind of like 
up to present. <laughs> I will say, you made me think of something, because, like, the mental health and uh, pain correlation that doctors mm-hmm. make. I no. So this is not related to my chronic pain, but one time I had um, gone to the hospital because I was feeling this really strange feeling in my lungs, and I was, like, freaked out. I was, like, at work, and then I literally called an ambulance and, like, wheeled me out of my workplace to go to a hospital. I met with a doctor in the emergency room, and he was like, yeah. And then I told him as, like, a... Like, I thought I was being smart in this moment. I was like, so I have had a panic attack before. I know this is not a panic attack, right? This is not what that felt like. So I was, like, trying to, like, rule it out. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, you have? So it was definitely a panic attack. Uh, you just had a panic attack, you know? And I was like, but it didn't feel anything like it. He's like, yeah, they appear in different ways. Here's some information on, um, like, mental health stuff and groups you can go to and, like, dismissed me. And sent me home. And the next, like, day, I had this... I was, like, standing... I had this feeling like like a horse kicked me in the chest. Like, in my lungs, it was so strong and intense. I, like, collapsed on a bed. And then um, later I went to another doctor and he was like, Yeah, so I think you had a lung infection. <laughs> and then I was like, Okay. And he's like, Yeah, but you know, I think it's cleared up now, so you're all right. Also dismissive. Thank Thank you. And then later, Thank when I you. had a Helpful. feeling that was similar to that in my lungs, I went to the hospital again. I told the doctor, so previously I had a lung infection, so I, and it felt like similar to this. And he did some tests, and he's like, actually, it doesn't look like there's anything in your lungs, so it might have been something else. But, you know, you probably didn't have a lung infection previously because you're too young to have had one. And I was like, what is happening? Like, it's <laughs> really just like what uh, why anyway so doctors are the most can be the most dismissive assholes on the planet and actually my yeah. doctor who was the one who diagnosed me with trigeminal neuralgia who was kind of like dismissive about because he was like there's nothing you can do and you know if you do take this medication that we do have for it you have to be in all, all the time and has a lot of side effects so you might not want to be on it he has, like, been my doctor my whole life, and I do love him, and uh, he's always been the, like, lose some weight, drink some orange juice kind of doctor. Um, <laughs> Terrible. But he recently, or in the last few years, he actually became a patient himself, because he was a doctor who had never really been sick, and he had, he's my family doctor, so he told my mother, he's like, oh, wow, I understand my patients now. Like, finally, Fuck after off. 100 years. <laughs> He understands his patients because he was sick himself and ha- had all of his concerns dismissed. So he was like, oh, okay. And then he like, at like 60, became a better doctor. So that <laughs> it's one of those How things. How the tables How the have turned. Because, <laughs> yeah, doctors, I just, I, I, I get it. Some doctors are just the worst, <laughs> the most dismissive, worst uh, healthcare practitioners you'll ever meet. And it is often yeah. nurses and new doctors. Like, if you get a resident, they will check absolutely everything. everything. When I had my um, PCOS diagnosis, my PCOS, uh, it was a resident who did it, who was very, very, very thorough. And she went through absolutely everything. So sometimes when my doctor is not available, I'll be like, is there a resident that I can go to? Because I know <laughs> I'll get every single test in the book. No, you're, I think you're right. Because I know, well, my doctor is like young, younger, mm-hmm. or I mean, at least he looks younger. Um, <laughs> but his p- practice or like the practice he's in is very like, it's very forward thinking because it, it's uh, attached to the ho- to a hospital in Toronto. Um, and so I even his person who was like covering for him while he was on vacation, <clears throat> did my pap smear last year and um, was um, 
like was very open that they were queer and when they did my pap smear they were like they were like I'm going to do it would you like someone to be because you know they have to ask and they're like okay so are you ready like it was just very like whereas like I've had other doctors like when my other doctor my old doctor who is my was my mom's doctor my grandma's doctor my aunt's doctor he was just like okay so this is happening (laughs) um and so this you know so it's just like a different way of thinking and it's true even my mom sometimes I don't know if it was my mom but I've definitely had people who in my family who've been like, no, you have to go to the nurses sometimes because mm-hmm. the nurses understand better than the doctors. The doctors always think they're right. Whereas like a nurse sometimes will be not always, but like maybe more willing to listen. Um, and maybe has like more of a community focus kind of like mindset sometimes depending where they are. Um, so I thought that was really, um, really interesting. I also feel like for myself, I, my biggest disappointment and when I kind of got to a level of desperation where I was just crying all the time and couldn't leave my house because I was in so much pain, but also just like feeling so hopeless, like it was like my mental health was so bad. Um, I was just, I just felt like this is never going to end. I'm never going to have a normal life anymore. Like I'm never going to be able to do the things I like because I love the things I love doing the most is like hanging out with my friends, like going to dinner, going to the movies or going to a concert. And all of those things felt so like out of reach because I was in so much pain. I didn't want to ever leave my house. Um, And I think for me, the biggest level of like desperation that I had was when I got my doctor retired and then I got a racialized woman as a doctor. And in my head, I was like, everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And then um, I was quickly um, proven wrong. Um, and then I had three racialized women as doctors and all three of them were horrid. (laughs) Um, and I was like, so no one can help me. Um, and then I felt really awful. Um, the doctor I have now is also racialized, um, but is a man. Um, but, uh, yeah, at that, at that point I was like, if they're not willing to listen to me, who the fuck is going to listen to me? Cause at first I was like, maybe it's cause my doctor's like an old white dude who's like ancient that's my doctor and like knows yeah and knows like my mom and like my grandma and like you know um and that's why I thought and then <sighs> I was so disappointed and even now like I think I look back and I'm like I could have gotten help so much sooner if they had just like sent me to do tests yeah I think also the longer a doctor works, the less likely they are to send you for tests. Because my doctor was always like, he would, his, his like line was like, oh, I don't want to make you a patient because if you do all these tests, blah, 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 like you're going to be like, it, you're going to be going through, through all of this stuff and you're not going to have a result. I think that's what a lot of doctors think because a lot of times it'll come back negative. So they assume that like, oh, you're probably fine. Now, actually, he's much better. Now he's like, oh, if you want to test, we'll send, let's go. He's like, he'll send me to whatever <laughs> tests I want now, now that he's like old and nice. But um, yeah, it is one of those things. I want to talk about, yeah. or actually, do you have do you have something to add? Well, I was just going to say, it's really interesting the extent to which um, doctors sort of uh, take up this medical gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I guess, you know, within the context of Canada, I always perceived that, like, you know, uh, I'm not going to pay for it. You're not going to pay for (laughs) it. Um, But, like, they've just, um, like, internalized the scarcity of resources to such an extent. Like, Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, trying 
to ask for certain tests or trying to even get folks to look at test results in a certain way. Like, um, (laughs) you know, or even like, remember there was like eons and eons and eons ago, there was this amazing, I think it might've been on Instagram. Um, it was a, uh, someone who lives with chronic illness who was, who was talking about like, next time that your your doctor says like no i'm not going to do tests for you um ask them to put that in their notes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like ask them to document you requested a test they and, said no um they said no um and it's just so interesting the ex- like to me the ways that that folks like creatively are forced to navigate that situation um like okay maybe it comes back yeah maybe it comes back negative but like that's more information to help guide us i i guess um yeah that kind of gatekeeping uh drives me bananas and um you know i'm like always intrigued by the ways that like subtle and unsubtle that that is trained into doctors um and i guess i just worry now like in the context of the pandemic where like scarcity and our like the lack of resources that have been systematically cut, like how is that changing the context for folks who are trying to navigate this type of care now? It just uh, it makes me think. Sorry, but but uh, Catherine, please, I I really want to hear what you're. <laughs> oh say. no, I was just gonna. Um, I guess talking on like personal issues. Have you ever? Because I'm experiencing it right now. Have you had like a new pain that's shocked you? My bladder pain, well, first feeling like I was going to pee myself at any moment, Mm -hmm. like I was just going to pee all over the place was one thing, but then it turned into just like pain where I like could not move and then it like migrated to my tailbone so I couldn't sit and like it took like a while, like it was maybe like a year and a half after, even while I was doing physio, it like showed up out of nowhere. Um, And my physiotherapist was like, yeah, pain sometimes migrates. And I was like, (laughs) excuse me? yeah pardon and I just remember I was like I like I've never had issues and all of a sudden I like couldn't sit down because it hurt so much and I was like what is going on and I talked to her and she was like yeah the pain might have just moved we're gonna need to figure something the else pain out moved yeah yeah and I was like this little fucking piece of shit have a has a mind of its own <laughs> like I'm so angry anyway Robin I not too long ago um started to get really chronic knee pain um it just like in a very particular place in my knees um like to the point where like not walking well not standing and um yeah like very short term like two three days and then it just moved along just just moved along I think if I were to look back on that moment I'm sure I could map like any number of like truly stressful circumstances that were going on in and around that situation where like you know I could have had tensed muscles and all that sorts of stuff which is like you know the the self-reflection that has come from like a long time of like kind of understanding what it is my body is doing when something stressful is happening but like truly shocking it uh it was it was there, I can't like. There's not a lot in your knee. I'm like, where, <laughs> where is it happening? Where is there even a muscle to like tense? So, what about you, Catherine? Oh, so I want to bring this up well, for two reasons, which I, I guess I'll get into it after. But the one I'm experiencing now is the IUD pain. So Ugh. here's the thing: pain is like literally never left me my whole life. I've had migraines since I was a little girl. I had really awful cramps um, with my period. 
Um, and then I have this nerve pain. So like, I'm like so used to pain. I'm like, oh yeah, pain. I, I know. I know how I feel pain all the time. <laughs> when I got the IUD number one, I was like, what the fuck is this? This, it was shockingly painful getting it put in. And the cramps that I've had, af- had afterwards, especially in the first like week, were like nothing. I've like, I was like, what is this? I think maybe also because all my pains for the most part are like neck up, <laughs> like or yeah. like 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 the period cramps are, are actually were in the, this area, but these pains are like new, and I'm like gonna get checked. I'm like, do I have a perforated uterus or something? What's happening? <laughs> because yeah. I'm getting pains that I'm like, this is shockingly painful cramps, mm-hmm. and a lot of them. <laughs> more TMI information are like triggered by like bowel movements sometimes I'm like this is ha- oh, me too this is just me too a new 100% like, oh look it's dimension all of, us. Look at that. of pain that I was just like what is oh, yeah. this garbage and the reason I want to talk about these Welcome, shocking Catherine. right the reason why I want to talk about these shocking pains is because I'm like I kind of want to talk about masking and acting normal when you're just oh. in so much pain, especially when something new has happened. It's so exhausting. Because I was out with my friend. We were at like a mall. Like the first time I've been at, we were, it was Danielle. We were at square one. Oh yeah. When was the last time I was at square one? Anyway. Square one. Right. <laughs> um, and. Suburban hellscape. Like, anyway, go ahead. I started getting, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I started getting these um cramps again that were like they felt like the first day cramps from the iud oh no we're like in a morphe like looking at makeup brushes <laughs> and i was just in so much i was like i'm gonna go sit down and then i was like okay i think i gotta go to the bathroom and she's like okay that's fine and she was being very nice and she was concerned she's like we need to go or whatever but i was just yeah. acting like yes i'm in a lot of pain let's sit down for a minute i do have to go to the washroom but i'm like let's go let's let's do this let's whatever but i'm like trying to act as normal as possible and i was thinking about it later and i'm like i should have been like let's get the fuck out of here right now like why was i like oh you look at makeup brushes i'll sit here in pain for a minute it's fine and like no i know danielle you listen to this podcast talking to you directly while you're in your car um (laughs) or wherever you are listening to this right now um no shade on her at all because she was being perfectly nice and if i had said we should go she would have been like okay let's yeah, go yeah of course but um, it's so crazy how much we just pretend like everything's just it's fine it's fine i'm just yeah, dying and, here you know and it takes so much work to do that mm-hmm. like do you know we're all tired like i'm sometimes i'm like am i this exhausted because i'm in pain all the time and i'm just hiding it and it takes like it's extra work and i think that's something people with chronic pain don't understand the fact that like the amount of emotional labor oh, it takes for pain, me to, yeah. yeah, or sorry, without chronic pain, um, the amount of emotional labor it takes for me mm-hmm. to mask my symptoms to make you more comfortable is like, and then sometimes those same people have the audacity to be like, is that really what's going on? Mm-hmm. Or when you're rude and you're just yeah. like, I'm just, I've been in pain all day. yeah or if i I have one more person suggest yoga weed or meditation to pay the weed works i'm telling you if if anything has worked for pain it's weed well you know weed and advil together to me oh i did not know that but weed gives me horrific uh panic attacks oh so you know i become a bitch on weed too like i don't know what it is like i get like deeper madness like i start fights it's very strange but the cbd oils are great no no the cbd oils are fine but it's usually people like if you smoke like that i'm like listen no i know or the yoga or like do you drink enough water maybe you're dehydrated fuck off (laughs) 
And I'm like, so anyway, I, I just very much appreciate, like Robin, obviously, um, is always super kind about any sort of chronic pain stuff that's going on, which I find very helpful because then it lowers my anxiety. Because the thing is, I get very anxious in social situations if I feel like people aren't going to get it. Um, but having friends like Robin or Catherine like you who are just like, I got an aisle seat for the movie. I always makes get the aisle me seat. Yeah, it just makes me so much more comfortable. And then I like can enjoy myself more. And then since I'm not as stressed, then the chances of the pain having like more of a flare up goes away. And then I feel better, you know, um, or at least can feel a little bit more comfortable. But so many people are just so uncomfortable with pain or the idea. They just can't. The, just the concept of you always being in pain. It doesn't make sense to them. They're like, so like it never goes away. Are you feeling better? And like you have to, it comes to a point where sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm better now. I'm better. Because they don't get the fact that it like doesn't go anywhere. 100%. The number of times that I have lied when people have been like, how are you feeling? Great. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want to have that conversation with you. You're going to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and then... I'm going to have to spend time making you feel better. Um, and there are there are there are days where that interaction is just way too much. So I, yeah, I I empathize. Um, I re- I remember having an interaction once where I was in in like really really intense pain and uh, was just walking so slowly. Um, and the person that I was walking with was so frustrated with me about going slow and um I remember just sort of thinking like I cannot be in this situation right now I cannot be in this situation where I'm going to have to deal with this person's frustration about me going slow like Mm -hmm. I like it makes all the difference when you have somebody who's like do you want to sit down do you want to take a break Mm -hmm. do you want to just go home need a glass of water like any number of things or even just like i'm so sorry it looks like you're really struggling right now sorry like just you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's like the casual the casual like dismissiveness even from pals mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. like pretty heartbreaking it can yeah. be yeah one thing that's very nice with my mother is that like even if we've been like had a like, bad relationship that day or whatever like something's been like an argument or whatever if i'm say that i'm in pain she will like massage my shoulders for me every time <laughs> it's very nice of her that's so because nice. she she also deals with lots of pain so my mom's very um understanding and pa- compassionate with pain mm-hmm. um so because she gets it but like and like i actually don't think i've had too many people in my life who are not compassionate and also it might be because my my pain um, other than the pain that I've been experiencing recently, it doesn't affect my mobility. Like I go to work, I just do whatever. And I think cause it's like nerve pain in your like face and neck and, and head that it doesn't affect my, it's one of those things where you just, it's like pain becomes background noise in a way. So like, I'm not limited by those sorts of things or I don't have to worry about like where the washroom is, but it is just, uh, a fact of my life that like sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse right now actually i am in a nice spell of it being really good i have not been in that much pain in my face and neck um i was actually had this really awful thing that happened last year where it also migrated to my jaw and i again went to the dentist and was like i think i have like a another toothache something something and they were like Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing they even when they do like they tap the specific tooth and it hurts yeah, so yeah. bad um but they did all the things so they're like no. no there's nothing wrong and it's just my nerve pain migrating to another tooth to feel like i have a toothache <sighs> Um, but like, I've been having a very good spell where like, I've had flare up on flare, flare up on days, and then it goes away. And then actually, yeah. one thing for me is that because it's all of this like, interconnected nerve pain, if I carry things that are too heavy on my shoulders, I will have a pain flare up that day, right? So my sister, mm-hmm. very concerned and kind of her but like she does it in the meanest way she's like you're not carrying that thing when we go to like the grocery store she's like well if you're in pain later she gets so mean about me being in pain (laughs) it's like i guess it's concerned she's like she has to carry this thing um and sometimes i'm like i'm so annoyed with my body that like i can't like carry a heavy bag on my shoulder without being in like awful pain later so i'll just like carry it yeah um but she gets real like mean concerned with me (laughs) <laughs> when I carry things that are too heavy because she knows that like later I will be in pain. Well, the thing is like it's almost like an art to navigate pain because you have to like so Kayla and I talk about this cuz Kayla also has chronic pain. Um the person that I do my like grief talks but whatever. with and whenever <laughs> <laughs> and whenever we do um whenever we talk about so we do like a grief talk about chronic illness and and pain and Kayla's Kayla always says like it is like an art form because you need to be able to figure out just how much you can do to not cause a flare-up um but also like to get things done so and you know she always says she's like sometimes if you have this time where you don't have a flare-up and you're like I must get everything done now while I still can and then what happens is then you overexert yourself Mm -hmm. and have a flare up um (laughs) and um we just talk about how like nobody thinks about like the amount of like calculations we do in our heads just to manage our day-to-day like it just doesn't make sense so anyway i just thought that was very interesting and very true i think that's also like a really nice way of reframing something that like over time, I feel like I've come to accept is like, this is part of my life. And I feel like there was a period of time where I'm like, is it always going to be like yeah. this? No. <laughs> um, and I feel like, not that I feel like I have um, like a deep understanding of, of how grief functions in my life. I'll be in therapy forever. But like, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that like, there has been, at least for me, a grief involved with like, coming to terms with the fact that like pain is not going to be an acute, uh, ideally infrequent experience Mm -hmm. in my life. Like it's something that, you know, there's always a plan. There's always a plan. Mm -hmm. There's always a, um, like a negotiation. Um, It's not, you know, like I can't, I sometimes can't do the same things or the, in the same way as everybody else. And um, over time it's gotten easier to navigate that I think also as I've gotten older um I felt more comfortable to be like I understand that everybody wants to do it this way but like (laughs) I'm just not going to be able to do that so yeah um yeah but I I I do appreciate that like framing it as an art because I think that 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 helps me to feel a little bit less resentful sometimes Mm. of it so um yeah I appreciate that Kayla is very smart. Very, very smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Can I just, I, oh, yes. Go ahead, Robin. 
were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, like, um, as somebody who feels like my life is made richer by talking to other folks with chronic pain, I do feel like, um, so I'm way too old for um, Pokemon. (laughs) Nobody's too old for Pokemon. (laughs) Oh, Catherine. (laughs) So the only thing that I am not too old for is, like, really enjoying other people's enjoyment of Pokemon, (laughs) so I get on board with that. But I do feel like when I meet other folks that are in chronic pain, I, I do feel like it's a different conversation when people are like, this has worked for me because it doesn't feel so much like the, have you tried yoga? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, like, you know, I, I, I think I would, I do feel a little bit like gotta catch them all kind of <laughs> like all of those strategies. Yeah. So like, I, I, I would love to hear from you both if you have strategies that work to manage your pain. Cause I feel like yeah. if you got something good, I'm going to try it. I mean, uh, for me, it has been physio for me, but it's so expensive and so, so, so expensive. I think for me, it's $105 for a 30 minute session. So, and when I'm, when I'm in a chronic pain flare up, I, you have to go once a week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so very, um, inaccessible, but I think for me, um, as cliche as it sounds, my, my, um, physiotherapist has convinced me to do a lot of like deep breathing stuff. Um, like a few minutes a day just to like relax my body. Um, but um, my naturopath gave me like a, like magnesium, but not the one that you get at like the shoppers, but it's like a, I was going to write it down, but it's like a specific mix of magnesium that doesn't make you poop your pants, mm-hmm. um, but also helps you sleep and turns off your brain. Um, and it's really the only supplement I think I've ever taken that really feels like it works. Um, because my brain is always on overdrive and I just feel like even when I sleep, I wake up tired. And so my naturopath was like, this might help. And it's also supposed to help with like inflammation, um, and like bringing down inflammation, if ever that's something that, you know, worries you. And I remember when I first started taking it for like a month, um, the first month I just like, I felt rested, which I don't, I had never remembered feeling, um, before. Um, and it's just like liquid, this like magnesium citrate something something um which I found very helpful at least for sleeping um and relaxing which I thought was good and again I did not poop myself because I also went on reddit and looked for any kind of remedy that would help with this and people were like magnesium citrate which you can get at like any pharmacy it makes you poop yourself (laughs) so so um I think those are like the big the big things for me and my, and I also did trauma therapy, which I found helpful because my trauma therapist was able to connect some of the pain that I'm going through, um, with also some of like my psychological brain stuff that's been going on. Um, and even just like the amount of psychological distress that the pain puts me in is really good to kind of be able to pinpoint for myself. Yeah. Catherine. Um, all about them drugs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> CBD oils, CBD yeah. <laughs> creams, like very, 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 very helpful. Um, you can get the ones that are like high CBD and low THC, although can be fun if you have the ones that are high THC as well, <laughs> um, which I've been discovering. Re- I, I, I feel like we talked about this maybe last time as yes, well, we but did. just like, um, me being like high for the first time, because Carmen and I are squares the squariest square squares who've never done any drugs and i was like oh is this why people do drugs i was listening i was like 
I had the CBD oil that was like the same THC <laughs> as it was CBD. And I was like, oh, I can feel this music in my tongue. I was having the best time. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, I would say those are very important. I would say um, using those in combination with like massage. Um, professional massages, by the way, are also great. Really good if you have nerve pain. Yeah, you get to realize how much pain oh, you're actually in because your massage therapist gets to tell you, Carmen, that's not supposed to hurt. So good. But like in terms of like personal <laughs> massage, I think because my pain's localized in like my face and neck, like mm. massaging your face, massaging your sinuses, that's also great. Oh, Doing yes. your like jaw area, that's good. Um, oh, yeah. I usually will like, also like I carry a lot of pain for some reason, right in the shoulder joints, like the tip of the shoulder right here. Oh, so no. if I massage, like when I'm in pain, if I massage that, I can feel how tender it is. Um, yeah, so learning that. And also, if there are any people who are younger listening to this, because again, I have pain for like a couple reasons. And one of the other reasons is because when I was a teenage girl, I carried every single goddamn book I had with me everywhere. All, remember my bags I carried around Carmen? I was like a fucking bag lady. Yes. I had like a messenger bag and a backpack and every textbook like all over me all the time and I fucked up my shoulders in addition to fucking up my face. So these two things were in confluence <laughs> to make me in pain all the time. Yeah. But don't do so that. don't carry all your Yeah, don't carry all <laughs> don't your textbooks. Don't be dumb with your body. You can break it, okay? This is not just for young people. It's for anybody. Don't be stupid with your body. You can hurt it. Because my sisters... Like, uh, one of my sisters had, both my sisters have shoulder pains for dumb reasons. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so concerned about my shoulders because even though I have all these pains, I don't have any physical issues with my shoulders. So I would say also as much as you can exercise and stretch. Um, and I know it sounds like you're going to be mad, Carmen, but genuinely do yoga, like do something <laughs> that actually stretches your body out. Keep your no, body and your limbs and um, limber and don't neglect if you can going on walks and stretching and things like that because it's mm-hmm. so important to keep your body strong old lady exercises right old lady exercises go swimming They're go cycling best. things that are like low impact <laughs> because it is so important to keep your body um strong just to make sure that you do not end up with these pain conditions and they do help actually these pain conditions yeah. because when you build up your strength then you're able to handle these things better and it's so annoying to say but genuinely carmen go on some more walks i remember one time carmen and i walked for like 10 minutes she just had to sit down and i said we this is wild so yeah yeah no i've been walking a lot more and also just like looking around in nature is good for your brain green is good for your brain very very good for your brain it's true it's true 100 percent. those are all things that I have found over time to be extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started doing um, these things called, like Carmen, I've told you about these before. Mm-hmm. They're called tension release exercises. Yeah. They are, um, I mean, they were created by, I don't, I don't remember the, the guy's name, but um, he created a series of like exercises. So you basically move your body in a very specific series of ways and it's intended to sort of fatigue your psoas muscle, which is the muscle that um, connects, I think, from your low back to your hips. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a stabilizing muscle. It tends to be one whereby um, like folks carry a lot of tension there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's designed to sort of like fatigue it and basically the whole ex- the whole thing is 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 sort of like preparing your body to lie down and literally just shake um there was a book written by a 
I mean, I think he's a psychologist, but he's become sort of like really popular amongst folks who are interested in trauma. His name's uh, Peter Levine. It's called Waking the Tiger. And it was all sort of about his understanding of looking at animals um, after they've, they'd sort of been chased or experienced some, something scary. They will sit down and sort of like shake. Um, and um, I can only describe it as life changing. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. It literally, I, I am shocked at the extent to which it, it That's amazing. changed my pain. Um, so literally I do those like pretty frequently. And then also take a lot of naps. <gasps> yes. Oh, sleep's very, I very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think there have been times in my life where I, I've just been like, sleep is you know, a nice to have, but not necessary. <laughs> and uh, through the pandemic and like burnout from work and all sorts of other things, like the world being, you know, the total garbage dumpster fire that it continues to mm-hmm. be, like realizing the extent to which like sleep is mm-hmm. the time where our bodies like repair ourselves and um, daily nap, I will schedule that yeah. in to my work schedule yeah. if yeah. possible. So, um, yeah, but you're totally right, Catherine, about exercise. Sometimes it feels totally counterintuitive. Like, I, there are some days where I'm like, you know, 10 minutes, that's mm-hmm. that's all I got. But um, it does really help over time. It does. Mm-hmm. And even, yeah, and like with walking, like, apparently, my mother told me this the other day. She's full of annoying facts. She was like, <laughs> you know, they did this study about people who walk. Um, and even if you go walking like 10 minutes a day, people like live longer and are stronger and are blah, 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 blah. So even if you just go on short yeah. walks every day, you, even if it's a short walk, you will help yourself. Yeah. Because, and cause like walking on treadmills is not the same as walking outside because there is no. differences in like, um, the ground that force your body levels, to yeah. like, uh, work a lot harder than it does on just like an even field. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, and then on that note, on this lovely uh, advice corner that we have, um, <laughs> I think we can wrap up. Carmen, yes, are you? Rec- do you have anything to recommend? I know I have something to recommend. It might be the same uh, thing. Um, I oh, is, is yes. it the Rings of Power? Well, TV I was going to say that, and then I was like, should I? Uh, it can be a joint so recommendation. I, <laughs> yeah. So we are recommending the new Lord of the Rings show, The Rings of Power. Oh, so good. Um. It's so good. Uh, Catherine and I were going to wait to talk about it, but we uh, yesterday I was like, I just have one thing to say because uh, we couldn't keep it in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very exciting. I love those uh, Harfoots. I love those little hobbits. They're so cute. <laughs> They're very, and they live an ideal life. I was like, I want that life. They they have the right way of doing things. Anyway, um, so I'm recommending that show to all of my nerds and all of my people who like to escape into a fantasy land. Go have fun. Go forth, my friends. Go forth. I think I, my recommendation <laughs> is also Rings of Power, but funnily enough, I guess maybe I'll recommend the other one, which is House of the Dragon, which is seen it so opposite in terms of it's like, like everything about the Rings of Power, even with all the Sauron stuff, it's like kind of like joyful and like high fantasy and everything with the Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, and that woman's being cut open. Okay. All right. But it's still very it's stressful, good. Catherine. It's very good. Too stressful. Hey, Doctor Who was in it. He has a terrible wig. It's Ooh, accurate. Hey, oh, Matt Smith. Oh, yes, yes, Matt yes. The yes, wigs. Right the here. wigs. The wigs in that show are awful. Awful. The, the black I, yeah, people I know. in that I show have the worst wigs. 
They are not as bad. Nothing will be as bad as um, what's his name in uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, we don't that one's talk about that. Awful. That Mordo awful. in um, Multiverse of Madness has probably one of the worst wigs next to Shamar Moore's in Diary of a Mad Black Woman, but the wigs <laughs> in House of the Dragon are kind of also pretty shameful. There were some really bad wigs in Walking Dead, too. Oh, no Like, they just, like, don't. Just either let the black people do their own hair, a la Tessa Thompson in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Or, yes. like, I don't even know what. Like, give us all a short, close crop fade or something. Like, don't. Just don't <laughs> even do it. Just don't give us these awful wigs. Oh, it's awful. Anyway. Awful. But anyway. Robin, do you have any recommendations? Um, you're welcome to not include this, but I have so many recommendations. I worked in bookstores my whole life. Um, so can I jump on your recommendations from previous podcasts? Yes. That's amazing. Okay. So, um, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, I think it was like your favorite, the end of the podcast was all about your recommendations for science fiction written by, I think, black Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And you folks had suggested, of course, Octavia Butler, but I'm going to throw out uh, Nalo Hopkinson, um, who wrote Brown Girl in the Ring. Got me that so book. good. Uh, truly. I'm excited. So fantastic. Um, N.K. Jemison, really, really, mm-hmm. really good, of course. Um, um, Helen Oyeyemi, mm-hmm. truly so shockingly beautiful. Icarus Girl is without a doubt the best book oh, I've ever oh, wow. okay. Without a doubt. It is the strongest recommendation I will give to anything. <laughs> um, there are truly a dozen more, um, but of course, now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, I'm You're like, like and that's all I think. <laughs> yeah, truly. Anytime someone's like, do you remember this? I'm like, uh, no. Not in the moment. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, Catherine, I thought about this for Gay Vampire, oh, okay. um, your episode. Do you know the Gilda no. stories? It is a gay vampire from history mm. who is black and, and she sort of narrates her time through history. It's by Joel mm-hmm. Gomez. Literally, shockingly good. And then anything by Tanana Reeve do. Mm. Literally, these authors have changed. It's like a, a, a beautiful like <laughs> gift you've given us at the end of things to look yes. at. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the library is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> That was beautiful. I love it. Okay. So folks, um, thank you so much, Robin, for being on the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is lovely and beautiful to have you. And I got to see your face. It was so exciting. Anyway, um, take care, folks. Oh, please remember uh, to rate and review us. Yes. um, And give Mm -hmm. us five stars on um, Apple Podcasts. I think also um, Spotify. And you can find us at I'd Kill a Spider for You um, basically most places on the internet, except for Twitter, which we are I'd kill a spider number four letter U. And you can find me at DCC Williams anywhere on the internet. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at Carmen underscore Maria 416. And I don't know, Robin, if you have any socials that you would like to share. No? <laughs> a horrified, a <laughs> horrified, <laughs> vehemently no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, and that no. makes sense. But folks, thank you for rocking in the free world you know what i'm actually gonna cut this up we're not doing this god i'm gonna say one final thing if you have a migraine um play with your ears and your ear cartilage because that's also a way to 
help reduce And that's that. why you get that ear cartilage uh, mm-hmm. piercing to help with the migraines. So, yeah. Thanks, folks. Final tidbit. 